Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Donovan Taylor Hall. This is such a powerful conversation, and I'm so grateful that we finally connected to record this episode. So Donovan is a youth advocate and an educator that teaches kids how to build a positive self-identity. He has been featured on the Today Show, Now This, and several podcasts to talk about the importance of positive youth development. Donovan teaches his self-skills curriculum through youth coaching, speeches, and online content. He is currently working on creating an educational entertainment show that will reach an even bigger audience of kids. I love his mission. I love what he's doing. I love the impact that he's creating. And I love this conversation because it really is vulnerable, powerful, and Donovan shares so many sides of himself and why this is so important for him. So he, we dive into learning how to trust ourselves, learning what we need and to choose to be the hero of our own stories. These lessons at this time in our world are so incredibly important, especially for kids to learn how to create that inner safety within themselves. We talked about how much of gift vulnerability is and what we can experience when we learn how to put the armor down, even when it's scary, especially when it's scary and learning how to put that armor down with the people that we trust and people who have earned the right to hear our stories. We also talked about the difference between being in our stories and on our stories and learning from our stories and learning how to let go of shame and stories that don't serve us, being connected to our whys and the power of allowing ourselves to simply be in this present moment. I'm so grateful that you get to listen to this conversation because it is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And I'm so grateful for Donovan allowing him to himself to be seen in this podcast and to share his heart and soul with you. You're going to absolutely love it. Welcome to the show today, Donovan. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I really appreciate it. I am beyond grateful for this opportunity to chat with you. I know we're going to have a great conversation. We are going to have such a great conversation. And why do I know that? Because we've just had an incredible 45 minute conversation. <laughs> I love and we didn't hit record, which we should have done, but it's all good. It's all good. That's what I want to do. It's so funny. I, I just, I feel like if people could just follow and record the conversations I had instead of trying to force and sit and be like, here are all my thoughts. Cause the best stuff comes out of the conversations that are not being recorded or the conversations about what we're going to do. That's when all the stuff kind of pours out. And I, and it speaks, I think, to kind of how I try to show up as a speaker in general, where it's like, just trust your gut, know what you want to talk about. And the rest will just like flow. It will just happen. But that can be a little bit, uh, it's scary when you're trying to do like public speaking professionally and stuff where it's like no plan, just trust that it will show up, but it always does. So 
It does. Is that something, and I love that you said this, because have you trust? Has it been something you have learned, still learning? How does it, like, I think back to one of the first talks that I gave, I think I even referenced it today when I was talking, but one of the first talks I gave, um, I cried on the stage, didn't, was not in the plan. And um, I had the whole thing memorized. And, you know, that's how I had to start because I didn't trust myself. Mm. Then there came a space where it was like, I had a plan of what I wanted to say roughly, but I would trust myself and the trust came. Is that something that if you look back on your journey, is that something that you have continually been building in yourself or what are your thoughts on trust? It's so interesting because I've never talked about this in this, I've never framed this experience in my life this way. And so um, I'm actually really grateful that you asked it that way. Cause I can share um, when I was a senior in high school, one of my best friends passed away like suddenly. And at this point, like when I was in high school, I, at that point I was like partying all the time and, you know, I got good grades, but I had no idea what my future was going to be career wise. I was really deep into my depression, really deep into substance abuse. Um, and so when my friend passed away, I, this whole kind of circum, a uh, series of circumstances happened where I was just at his house every day for like a week. And I was just telling stories about him mm-hmm. and it's like family who I didn't know that well, um, because of just the nature of our friendship in high school. Like I wasn't spending time with his family. They kept asking me after a couple of days to be like, Oh, like this is his aunt. Like, will you tell this story that you told or will you tell this story? And I just did it. And I kept telling them because that was all I had to offer. I had so many stories of him and I just wanted to share them. So I showed up on their doorstep with this, all these pictures of him. And I was like, here are pictures, here are stories. And then I think after like five days, they asked me to speak on behalf of his friends. And so that was my first public speaking experience. And when I was sitting in the audience, uh, I had no notes. I just knew three stories I wanted to tell about him. And I had like a quote. And I was like, you know, these stories like the back of your hands, like just tell them. And his uncle went before me and his uncle um, was crying. And I remember thinking like, that's his uncle. Like his uncle knows him his whole life. Like there's no way that I can, you know, top that or who am I to go up here and speak. But I just wanted to do something that took care of him and took care of his family. And if the stories were something that I could do, then that's what I wanted to give. And so he spoke for like a minute and he struggled. And so I went up there and it's almost like I blacked out kind of the stories just came and it was the best speech I ever gave. And, you know, I was 17 and I'm 32 now, and I've done so much that I'm so proud of and honored. And I've been able to talk to so many people and kids and parents, and it's been such a blessing to be able to, to use my voice as a gift, but I found it through having to to step up. And when they asked me to speak, I was, there was no doubt. It was like, yeah, you, you do this, you step up, you take care of that family. And it's interesting because that played very deeply into how I viewed myself as someone who has to take care of people when they're struggling, but I don't, there's no regrets I have towards anything about that, except for, I wish it would have been recorded because I would have loved to have watched it. (laughs) I would love to have seen it, but you know, this is 2007. And so I think we had cell phones in class, but they were like the flip phones with 50 text messages a month. You know what I mean? (laughs) So you weren't, people were not recording or anything, Um, but people were talking to me about it for weeks afterwards. But I just, tr- I just trusted, I guess I trusted the story. And when I think about my work now, the conviction that I have for helping kids 
I trust that so much. And it's interesting because I'm in this really weird place in my life where that fire and that conviction, I don't feel it as much because of the circumstances that I'm in. And it's making me question myself in a way that I never questioned before, you know, and in a way that I've never questioned before, because I always knew this is what you're doing. I'm with this population. Every day I open the door and I see them, it just reinforces this trust in this work. And so now I'm trying to build trust in myself. And without this pressure of you have to, or you have to step up for people. Like I'm trying to choose this work as something that I choose, not something that I have to do, something I'm forced to do. I want to help kids. I want to share my story, but not because people are telling me I have to do it. And so, so much of my life was me telling myself, you have to step up. You have to be there. You have to take care of people. And it just drained me. I had no space for myself. I had no space for, you know, dating or my, you know, passions or hobbies and stuff. And so spending a year and a half away from being in the classroom with kids has forced me to be alone and to be away from that why. And so now the trust building process is really about trusting myself and trusting my journey and my story that it's going to get me to be where I need to be because it's deeply connected to this desire to help kids and help humanity. That is so beautiful. Honestly, thank you. a lot. No, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And this, this deep trust, like you are here, there's no question to help kids. There's no question. I've watched, I've watched your videos. I've watched what you're doing and you're doing that because you feel called to not because there's, there's no pressure. And what I'm saying, I can just see it in you. You're very heart driven which is beautiful. That's what they need. That's exactly what they need. Um, but how do you, how do you find your place of trust when it's wavering? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) I think, um, practice. Yeah. I think practice, um, something I've learned about myself recently, which has really helped me with working with kids is kind of like, how do you show up for things that you don't know how to do? Or how do you show up for things that are hard? And, and this pressure I felt as a kid, uh, because unfortunately that funeral that I had when I was 17 was not my first funeral. That was like my fifth funeral at that point. And each time I would have these funerals, there was these moments of, I have to step up. I have to do this. I have to be this. And it started when I was six and I sat on my mom's lap at my dad's funeral and told her jokes to make her feel better. Trying to, to, undo these, this story I was telling myself for years of you only are here to take care of people. And if you're not taking care of people, there is no point. There is no value, right? You have no safety in this world. If you're not connected to this, like, this is who you are idea, having to rebuild it. It's like, this is what it feels like to learn a challenging skill. This is what it feels like to challenge beliefs that you've had your whole life. And it's helped me be really compassionate with kids. It's helped me really be more empathetic with like telling kids that they can be this and they can be this and they can do this. And and then understanding where they're at and and how that can turn into, you know, it's external pressure that can turn into internal self-talk of this is who I am and this is how I'm supposed to be. And so I'm just practicing, even, you know, today, practicing, trusting that sharing my story and doing this work is, is the right move for me when I'm, when I'm really struggling, you know, and I, like I told you earlier, before I came onto the podcast, I was in the gym 
And I cried. And this guy came up to me and was like, are you okay? And I was super embarrassed because I thought it was hidden. And I like left and I ran away immediately. And I started to immediately doubt, like, you know, cancel the podcast. Don't do this. Don't do this. You can't do this. You're not going to be able to share in a way that's like safe to you. And that fear kind of came up and I had to just sit with it and just be honest and open up and just say, here's how I'm feeling. And this is the most connected I felt to myself in a while, not just being like, I'm motivated. Here are my goals. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, that doesn't feel like trusting the process as much to me as in just being where I'm at. And all week, I keep having these conversations with these people who keep kind of saying the same thing to me, which is like, trust, just, just take care of yourself and trust that this will unfold the way that you need to, because you have this strong mission and stuff. And so for me, it's like, trust is, it's, it's the practice right now. It's the practice in my life, um, especially as I'm surrounded by so much uncertainty uh, just trusting myself and trusting this work and trusting someone said I needed to do a trust fall with alignment, like in the universe. And I was like, that's like the deepest thing I've heard, but it makes complete sense to me because that's, that's what I'm practicing right now. And how do I wake up every day and remind myself of my why and that the why doesn't have to be, I'm pushing, I'm productive, I'm creating every day, but some days like taking care of myself is a part of my why, like really taking care of myself helps me show up in my why in ways that posting three TikToks a week does not. Right. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense, but it's so much gold, what you just said. And I think that is like going internal with what you need is, is important anyways. But when you are doing the kind of work that you're doing, how you show up is a direct reflection of how you're taking care of yourself, what your boundaries are, what those things are in place. And if there are no boundaries in place, and if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're going to have a heck of a time showing up in the way that you want. And then it creates that whole self-sabotage cycle of being hard on yourself that it's like, see, I can't do this when it wasn't even set up for success in the first place. Yeah. And I I mean, I've been so lucky. I think I've, I've read so many professional or personal development books that talk about pursuing these big visions. Mm -hmm. And so many of these books were like, you know, the world is going to say no, and people are going to turn you down and you have to say yes. And you have to fight through it and blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't my experience. My experience was very much like people lifted the work up, but people lifted the work up in such a short amount of time. You know, it's been six months or seven months since I did the Today Show to get all this feedback of people lifting the work up. I took that pressure and I, or I took that feedback and I internalized it and made it pressure. And then I felt like a kid again. And I felt like the, it doesn't matter that you're scared. It doesn't matter that you're tired. It doesn't matter that you know, you're not tending to your health the way that you need to, you have this mission and you need to do it and you need to pull it together and show people that you can create and you can do these things. And in reality, I don't want to do those things, you know, like right now I, I want to just feel better and I want to enter inner safety versus this outer safety of, you know, external validation and accomplishments and things like that. It's just, it's been a, it's been a process because I'm just growing. I feel like I'm going through puberty again, you know, and I wake up and I'm like, I'm so mad. And then two hours later, I'm like, I'm so motivated. And then I'm like crying and it's, but there's just so much, I'm shedding so much of what I 
believe, you know, people talk about life being in cycles. It feels like this is a brand new cycle where it started and it was like, no, I can't do that. I can't sacrifice who I am. I can't burn myself to the ground for a cause anymore. And so I'm, I'm shifting into this new idea of who I am and who I'm supposed to be and what I want to do and shedding that. Like if, if you think about it, like armor that I've had for years, I'm vulnerable and I'm like everything, the wind, I'm like, Oh, it hurts. It hurts. You know, like everything feels so tough because it's like, it's not just, not having job security and not having a car and not having my own place. Like those are external things, but in reality, it's just not knowing how this is going to turn out and moving forward anyways and trusting that it's going to be okay. But to take, to put trust in something that you can't see is scary. It's hard. And and to not honor that and be like, I'm scared, right. It's unfair. It feels like it's unfair to me in this process, because of course, this is going to be scary. Of course, this is going to be tough. Like this is, you know, learning to to be without that armor of who I'm supposed to be and getting to choose that instead. It's a huge shift. It's a huge shift. And I, I just need to give myself a little bit of grace through it. You know, I, I could not agree more. Like, I feel like I've known you a lot longer. <laughs> I couldn't have, but I'm listening to you and I'm like, I so get it. Listen, I was a professional armor carrier forever. Mm. I carried that armor everywhere because I just felt like I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want people to see I was struggling. I was supposed to be strong. I was a mom dealing with beyond chaos. What did, mm. like, I had to be strong. And that armor, the analogy that worked for me was there was a point when I realized that it was like, no, I'm going to carry the armor. I'm going to be protective. I'm not going to let anyone in and I'm going to save myself from being hurt. But the problem is then my world got really, really, really small because it's like Mm -hmm. I almost became the turtle under the shell. That was the Mm -hmm. armor. My problems didn't change. My life didn't change. And now I was completely alone. And it was like, this isn't working. Like, this Mm -hmm. is not working. So setting the armor down was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it's the most freeing thing ever. And there's going to be, people will judge you no matter what, like mm-hmm. they're going to judge, they judge because some people live in that space. That's what they do. But I've always found that no one will judge me more than I've judged myself. And so who cares what they're saying? Because those people are never going away. They're always mm-hmm. there. It's so funny working with middle schoolers. People can talk about like how mean they are. And I'm not going to lie. Like they can, they can bite. (laughs) They can bite. But anytime they've tried to make fun of me or, you know, try to like bring me in on the, like, let's make fun of Mr. Donovan. I would always tell them the same thing. I was like, dude, none of you are going to hurt my feelings the way I hurt my feelings. (laughs) So like, this is a breeze. Go for it. This will be fun. If anything, you're just giving me future ammo to use against myself. Right. I won't even hear it from you, but um, I had this moment that I've never shared with anyone before uh, that I would like to share because Mm -hmm. it was one of like, it was an honor. It was a, it was a really big gift to me to witness this experience with this kid. But, um, I had a student who, uh, just came to my class one day and she, she was in seventh grade at the point at this point. And it was just our eighth grade. It was just there. You could just see behind her eyes that she was hurting. And, and I just sat down with her and didn't know what was going on. And I just told her like, you can cry. And she was like, I'm not supposed to. And I said, who's telling you that? 
And she said, you know, my parents, society, my friends, I have to be the strong one. And I was like, well, Hey, here, I'm okay. You don't have to take care of me. Like I'm good. So why not just let it out? You don't have to take care of anybody but yourself in this moment. And we sat together for like 15 minutes and she just cried. And she didn't tell me about anything going on at home. She just got it out and then hugged me and then left. And I think about that moment all the time, because in that moment, she was able to put her armor down yeah, and just be like, there's hurt and there's vulnerability here and I'm safe. And I feel like in a lot of ways, me not being able to, or me feeling like I'm not doing that anymore mm-hmm. hurts. And it feels like I traded that for this dream of mine. But in reality, I want to do this work on a larger scale. So those kids who are who are walking around in armor all the time can listen to these words mm-hmm. and can for a moment take that armor off and be with how they feel and be safe. And, and there are so many kids and so many adults too, who, who are just carrying so much weight mm-hmm. and so much armor of who they're supposed to be and what they think they're supposed to do. And, and if I can be someone that kids know and kids can turn to and say, this guy, I don't have to bring my armor. <laughs> you know, that's like the biggest blessing that I think I've, I could have in this life. And I've been feeling so disconnected from my why. And I just feel like even in this moment, I'm reminded and it feels really nice <laughs> to remember why I do the things I do. You know, I can withstand the uncomfortable, I can withstand the anxiety and the uncertainty if I remember what it is that I'm setting out to do. Mm-hmm. And it just, just even in a moment of remembering a, an experience like that with that kid, with that person, just brought me back. And I feel so grateful that they trusted me enough to be with them in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Honestly. <laughs> I am just so, so, so proud and grateful that you're showing and sharing this with us because I want you to know that, and I want you to receive this, that you helped her to let her armor down for 15 minutes. But do you see that that's actually, you've probably taught her a lesson, a life lesson that she can be safe without the armor, that she can let that go, that maybe she's actually done that more in her life now because of that. So it's it's 15 minutes that you had that impact, but the impact can ripple for way longer than that. Yeah, I mean, I think about what it, what it would have been like to have an adult in my life do that with me as a kid. Oh, you know? That's your why, right? That becomes the why. Um, A lot of us didn't grow up with that permission to be, you know, I I mean, I was, I was, I grew up with, it's just like, you just be hard to keep going. There Mm -hmm. was no room for tears. God, Mm -hmm. no, like it just was not almost, it was pretty much shunned on. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just a sign of the times that we had. So what can that do for somebody and how a difference that can make. And I think when, if I take that back to the words you said earlier about inner safety versus outer safety, when you do things like that, when you give someone else permission to put the armor down, when you put your armor down, you are showing people that you can create and have your own inner safety. It doesn't have to come from external. Yeah. And, you know, safety doesn't look like all the time, 
or bravado, you know, it doesn't look like I'm good. I'm, I'm safe in this zone. Like being safe is I can be vulnerable and safe with myself. And sometimes I feel like because I internalize this pressure so much, sometimes I feel like I'm not allowing myself to be safe. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like when I feel vulnerable, there's that part of me that's like, don't, don't, don't feel vulnerable. You have too much good going on for you. And when I was at the gym earlier, it sounds so silly to say it, but it's, it's kind of a huge thing because the gym is like, you know, you're showing off your power and it's like, I'm lifting and look how strong I am. And then I started to cry. And when that, when someone saw me, I left immediately. I was so embarrassed. And I was like, this is how I feel about my work right now, where there was all this, like, let's lift this work up. This guy is great. This guy is amazing. There's all these transitions. I moved across country. I moved, I like, you know, lost my job. I had to give my car. All these things happened, but I've been so focused on show them that you're doing it. Show them that you are the person that they're saying you are. And when I would feel vulnerable, I would leave and I hide. That's what I do. I hide because I don't want people to see that. And so instead of being open and vulnerable with, with my audience or with the people in my life that I feel safe with, I hide and that voice comes back and it's, it's harsh. It's not, it's not as compassionate as I would like for it to be. And this is a huge moment I'm learning of like, how do I treat myself in these things? Because it's like, as I continue to do this work, not if, but as I continue to do this work, like you said earlier, it's only going to get more and more and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to have some inner safety to not let myself be wounded and not wound myself, you know, so much to that. I can't continue forward. So powerful. What you just said to not be wounded and to not wound myself, because I think that we all can admit that our inner critic is the worst. Mm-hmm. Like it's the worst. It's like people say dumb things. We've already talked before we even started recording. People just say stupid things. They send dumb messages and it always speaks more volumes to where someone else is at. And it's in those times that we can go like, it's almost this mental, like, do I pull the armor back up or do I just say, nope, no armor? Because the thing is, is that that like, even as you just shared so vulnerably, which I love the moment in the gym, that was a moment where the armor went back up and it's like, nope, not going to show that, not going to show that. And we have this belief that armor is our safety when I actually think it's like, it's actually stopping us from feeling, from connecting, from doing. And that's really where vulnerability can be so powerful when we share our vulnerable side with people who can hold and support us. You know, and and going back to the trust conversation too, like I showed trust today by stepping up. And are showing up, not even stepping up. I don't want to put that pressure, but showing up because I put that armor up and I was in the car and I was like, don't cry, don't cry. You have to do this podcast. You have to be inspirational. But then I got here and I was like, no, I have to be open. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be transparent. And I find that there's enough people out there saying I'm strong and look at how inspirational I am, you know? And, and I, if I, I don't want my kids to look at me and be like, that's just Mr. Donovan. He is a 100% kind of guy. Like I want them to be able to see all sides of me because that's how their process is going to be. And I think I'm someone who helps kids lower their armor in a safe way. Because when I came here, and I was talking with you, it was safety. It was like, okay, this person is creating safety I can let my armor down again. Right. And I just feel a lot less pressure on my chest than I did when I came in here, but trusting 
trusting that if I share and I'm open and I'm vulnerable, that there can be safety within that, right? And sometimes it's not safe. And, and I was telling you earlier, I love my friends and family. I do. I'm so grateful for them. But so much of the feedback I've been getting is like, you've got this. We love you. You're great. You're going to be wonderful, right? Look at all these amazing things that are happening for you. And that's when I put that armor back on of like, yes, okay, okay, okay. But there's these moments in this week, I've been so blessed to have talked to so many people who are like, yo, take it off. Like, you're cool. You're fine. Like, like my friend was like, if you want to just get on here, Miss Katie sings. That's her name, by the way. She's amazing. That's her Instagram. She sings for kids. She's a social emotional learner. Yeah, she's amazing. She was like, I'm here. I can listen. I don't have to give you any feedback. I just want you to know I'm holding space for you. And I was, and I was like, ah, I don't want to be a burden. I'm a burden. I'm a burden. She's like, you're not like, and it wasn't this kind of like forcing. It was just like, I'm holding space for you. And even just knowing that there are people out here who are, who are offering that support and space allows me to trust and to let it down when it feels right. And when it feels safe. Right. So some of those kids who would let their armor down, I would, I would see them in other classes and I would see them struggle with their teachers. And then it was understanding that those teachers didn't feel safe to them. And that's when I started focusing on what does safety within teacher and student relationships look like, right? How do you create safety so they can really show up how they can, and and not just show up and be emotional, but show up and try new things and to, and to learn and to challenge them the, the way that they view the world and help them find their voice and things like that. Like those things are such bigger outcomes for, for me than, you know, being able to write a paragraph or being able to do these things. Obviously that stuff is important. I'm not saying it's not important, but I think that that's what really resonates. That's really what my work is about. My work is about helping kids build safety within themselves. And sometimes it's micro moments. You know, sometimes it's like, I got five minutes with my, like one of my girls, she would just come up and hug me and I would know like right away what was happening. Like I could see it on her face. I know she's going to listen to this too, because she's like, (laughs) we've been working together for like four years and I could just see it. And I'm like, you need a hug? And she's like, <laughs> and she would just hug me. And then she'd be like, okay, and go back into class. And it was just like letting that armor down, you know? And I feel like when I think about the rate that kids are taking their lives and kids are leaning into substance abuse, that kids are leaning into friends that are harmful and toxic, or kids are leaning into perfectionism kids are leaning into having to be the perfect kid. It's so much around like not having inner safety. And, and I have a mom who loved me unconditionally, but it wasn't about her not creating that safety for me. It was the messages that I was getting from society. It was the messages I was telling myself and internalizing. And, and so, so many parents who I work with, they'll blame themselves for their kids' struggles. And I'm like, that's, it's not, your fault. And it's not your job to be the person that is the center of their struggle. But in reality, it's like, how can we create space for them to take that armor down, to share that struggle, to share that with you so you can hold space for them. Sometimes they're going to need advice, but most of the time, what I found with middle schoolers, most of the time, they just need to, they just need someone to listen, especially my boys. I, I would have boys just like, like they would be walking in back and forth outside my classroom door, like on breaks. And eventually I'd be like, do you need something? And they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, why don't you come in and sit down? And they're like, I'm cool. Everything's cool. And then after a couple of minutes, they're like, okay, I'm a little upset. I'm like, all right, right? So they're just like afraid to ask for it and stuff. And, it, and I think that I don't blame teachers or parents for what they've done in the past because we've learned so much more. 
And I think that it's not about blame, but it's about we know better and there are, there's access to, to helping us understand development of people and what helps us thrive and that we should be applying that directly to kids because the school system in a lot of ways is reinforcing this idea of your safety comes from your value. Your value comes from your grades, right? And my thing is like, I don't care about your grades. Your, your, your safety is here. Your safety is innate, you know, and if, and when I work with kids too, it's not about me being the safety for them, but it's about them experiencing what safety feels like. And then having moments in a safe pace to practice inner safety, right? So when they go on and they're a freshman in college and they're feeling challenged and they're feeling overwhelmed, that they have that space to be like, I need help or I need to take a break, or, you know, I need to like be kind and compassionate to myself. So that inner voice becomes something that takes care of them rather than puts them down. I've been teaching this for so long and I'm like, oops, that's what's happening to me. Right. (laughs) My inner voice is like, sometimes it feels like it's drowning me. It's like waterboarding me. It's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Like my day off, I'm like, get up, get up. You have to produce, you have to make. And I'm like, yo, chill, like chill out. But I'm, I, I like Jim Passloff talks a lot about your inner asshole. Oh yeah. And, and and I'm trying to turn that inner asshole into my best friend. I'm trying to turn that voice into a voice that takes care of me, but it's not just me that created that voice. It's all my experiences. It's the stories I was telling myself. It's all these things kind of like have accumulated in this voice. And so challenging it and taking care of it and, and, and converting it into something that takes care of me is, is such emotional work. And here I am being like, why don't I have a YouTube channel blowing up yet? Like I am doing such a tough emotional mental work every single day. And I don't understand why I don't have the creativity to be producing things, but just taking moments like these, the insight that I have from this is like, I'm doing such important work that just because it's not directly with the kids doesn't mean it's not in service of this larger vision. And in fact, I can't even reach that larger vision until I get good with myself because it's only going to get wilder from here. It's only going to get, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be five years into a thriving career and have like a mental breakdown because I never learned how to hold space for myself or set boundaries or to let go of pressure I put on myself. So in in a way, this uncertainty in this time is, is a blessing and it's a gift. And I think if I hadn't opened up and I hadn't trust that there can be safety and that there can be safety and vulnerability, then I wouldn't have learned this this way, you know? That, and that to me is trust. <laughs> that to me is, is trust. This is trust paying off, you know? A hundred percent. I actually am just blown away right now. Um, <laughs> you're, you literally, you're going to have to go back and listen to this, this, <laughs> especially because you literally just coached yourself. You totally coached yourself out of your spiral. And I'm like, it's beautiful. It was beautiful. I loved it. It, it's going to resonate with so many people and it's being real. And with what everyone is facing, kids included right now, they need real. They don't need, they do not need another TikTok sensation. They do not need another Instagram sensation, YouTube, all the things to follow to then measure up to what they need real. And you just did that. And you're giving them permission because you're letting yourself be seen. So please remember how important that is. It's so funny. My brother like kind of brought to my attention the pattern I have, which is, you know, isolating myself, 
He's like, you're such a community person. He's like, you you just thrive when you're able to communicate and conversate. And he's like, you learn so much about yourself when you talk to other people. Like you, like you just, that's how you are. And he's like, but then he's like, I've never understood why you hide. And now I'm getting it is because like, I feel comfortable having conversations with people and being and talking about this stuff with kids when I feel like my armor is up, but when my armor is down, right. I, I don't feel, I didn't feel safe to share that. I didn't feel safe to really like let that be seen. And so I hide and I try to do it by myself. And then that's when that voice picks it, picks up and starts to, you know, that's when the cycle start of self-sabotage and, you know, isolation and checking out, but it's just even having these, this space, it's, it's really not even just about conversations. It's about safe safety within relationships and within in conversations with people. And, and that's so much of, I think what my teaching is with kids is just about showing them safety and showing them that you can have safety with yourself. And I've always been open with my kids. You know, I'm not going in there treating it like therapy session, but there's days where it's like, I would tell them like, Hey, I'm, I'm having a tough time. My energy is a little bit low today. I love you. It has nothing to do with you, but I can't be, you know, super silly today. And I hope you can understand that. And kids are like, we got you every single time. They're like, it's cool. Take a break. Do you need some water? And I'm like, because <laughs> they just see it and they know what it's like, you know? And I think about when kids were struggling, like how many kids are going into class hearing the weight of the world on their shoulders. Oh, I mean, so many of my kids were, you know, parents for their siblings because their parents had to work so much, like having to do one of my girls who was sleeping in class all the time was called lazy. And we talked to her and found out that she was like cooking for her siblings and like, blah, blah. And, and just so many kids were going in there. And, and then it makes sense to me why in a class where they can let that armor down, they like it. And they enjoy it and they get to be kids and they get to, they get to be themselves. And kids doesn't mean they're not, they don't have problems, but they get to just be them without having to play these roles because they know that no matter how I show up, I'm going to be loved and I'm going to be safe. And, and if I could teach kids anything is how do you do that for yourself? How do you say, no matter how I show up today, I'm going to practice love and self-compassion and be there for myself. Yes. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. I'm just like, it's just so, it's so good what you're saying. And I think that you are teaching them that they don't have to carry the armor. They don't have to do and be all the things and you're giving them that safe space. And I think that that is beyond powerful work. It is not light work, but you're obviously called to this. Like you're called here. And the thing is, is that I believe that when we have times where we're struggling, when we have struggle self-doubt kicks in and it's like, okay, who are you to do this? How can you do this? You can barely make it through the day. Like, how can you, when actually I, I like to, the way I like to shift that is that the reason that you are so good at teaching this is because you live it every day. You're living it. It's real. You're living it every day. That's why you can be so impactful with kids. Not because it's all perfect all the time because you're yeah. real and they need to see that. They need to see more real. And I think in this point in time right now, especially like I realize you're in California. I was. Oh, now I'm in Tampa. Okay. So you're in Tampa and we're in um, Canada here and it's, we're just in another lockdown again. This literally, mm -hmm. things have not changed here. I'm just going to mm -hmm. say that in a way. And I don't know what the long-term effect of this is going to be because 
I know when my kids were younger and we fought for mental health support, how hard it was then, how hard it was then it was, it felt impossible to get support. Then I, I can't even fathom what's happening now. Like I just can't even fathom. And if you can't get the support, I didn't know what to do, but I also didn't have a problem reaching out and getting help. Like I was like, so then I went to support. I went to groups. I, my husband and I started going to groups to learn on what to do. Like all those things, they're just not available right now. So it's, it just makes it that much harder on kids, on families of how to navigate this time that isn't going away anytime soon. And, And you think about what are kids seeing? You think about that a lot. And I think about, especially in America, the anger and the fear yep. and the the fighting and you ask kids to step up and you ask kids to show up and you ask kids to work right. When the adults around them are, are literally fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to say like kids, but at least kids are expected to yeah. <laughs> show Good. up and be cooperative and not yell at each other. Like if, if kids in school acted the way that these adults have been acting recently, like we would have a completely different conversation. And what does that say about our power? What does that say about how we use our power over kids? Because adults are acting out because a lot of adults are scared and there's so much trauma collectively happening to us all the time that, and we're just like, push through, push through, push through. And there, and it's just rough. I mean, there's death, there's, there's anger, there's fear. I mean, and then kids are watching this. Mm-hmm. Kids are watching it. And yeah. they're supposed to, they're supposed to move forward and be the adults that, what fix this or do better than us when they're not even being treated? Like, why do we have to wait for kids to become adults to show them that they deserve respect and love and compassion and show their, that their humanity matters. And that's, that's been a a big push for me recently of like, I want to be someone, you know, like we talked about the Mr. Rogers thing earlier. Yeah. Yeah. The only comparison, because there aren't that many youth advocates in the public influence sphere like that. And and when I think about who do kids turn to if they want to see good, right? Not someone just saying, here's my life. Here's how great my life is. Right. I think that nothing against influencers or anything that they're doing, but I'm just saying who is talking directly to kids and saying, yeah, things feel rough right now. And that's okay to like, to feel that, but also how do we advocate for ourselves? How do we access resources? How do we talk to people in our lives? How do we to how do we open up vulnerably? How do we find safety within people so we can find safety within ourselves? And, and my job as a teacher first is to help kids feel safe, mm-hmm. right? And the classroom doesn't feel like a safe space for teachers or for kids, mm-hmm. you know? No, it doesn't. And it's uh, it's it's such a that can go down another whole rabbit hole. No, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> It's okay, honestly, because for me, I found like, it's, um, again, I can't comment on the classroom where you are, but I can tell you it wasn't built for boys here. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. It was not, it was built for the girl who sat all day long and was like, did what she was told. Mm -hmm. It's not built for the boy. I used to, I don't know how many times, like I had rambunctious boys. There's no question. And it'd be like, well, we took Jim away from him because he wouldn't stop. And I'm like, how did that turn out? And they're like, he was awful. I'm like, really? I could have told you that. Like, that's just not, it's, it's just punishing them for who they are. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they don't, shouldn't be listening and all those things. I'm not saying that, but it wasn't built for that. And so it was really hard because I kind of felt many times that my kids did not as, as boys, as who they were, they struggled to fit in all the way through. 
That was just something that was a challenge and school was a real challenge for them. And it's so funny as I look at them now as adults, one who is like in the financial sector, sector, like doing amazing things and brilliant. And my other son who has designed and created his own clothing business and he Mm -hmm. designs and sells clothing, high-end clothing that like none of us can sew. So God knows where he got that from. (laughs) And I remember, I remember him saying, if I can share this, I remember him saying, mom, like, um, I'm not very smart because Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't finish school. Like some did. I'm like, well, you've pretty much lived on your own since you were 16. You have figured out how to run a business, build a website, design clothes, sell them, pay for your cost of living completely on your own at 23 years old. I think it's pretty smart. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty smart. And it's funny because I think that when the kids were younger, I remember having as parents, we all have these expectations of what we want them to do. Not because, not because it's pressure, but because we wanted them to be set up for a good Mm -hmm. life, whatever Mm -hmm. that means, whatever that means. But the thing is, is that then there comes a point when you cross. And I think it's because of part of what we went through and part of just what life is where I really wanted them to just be healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I hit that point. I, I I share with you that I had somebody say to me once when my son went back to school and he finished, my one son did, and he finished high school, like after not going for two years. Yeah. And I was so proud that he went back and did that on his own, like so proud. And I had somebody say to me, it's just high school. What's he going to do with that? <sighs> and I sat there. I know I sat there and I literally, I looked back and I'm like, huh, he's alive. Never thought that would happen. He's Mm -hmm. here and he's happy. I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm good. I'm good. It's not my, it's, it's, we need to watch those expectations because Mm -hmm. they're ours. They're not like they're, they're ours. They're not the kids. And we have to allow them that freedom to figure some things out on their own. Yeah, I, I I agree so much. And it, it sounds like small, but when I talk to kids about, because I often do check-ins with kids about what are you proud of? Like, what is something that you've done recently that you're proud of? And, and so often I would get like, I got good grades. And I would say, okay, well, your grades are not what you did. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the process. So now, cool, the grades, awesome. We see that. What did you do to get there? And it's like, I had to motivate myself. I had to ask for help. I had to push myself. I had to do things, even if I didn't want to do it, right? I had to like make sacrifices. And suddenly it was so much more about how do I, how am I showing up that the kids could honor, right? Because we ask so often, and and especially with in America, especially with kids who have, you know, immigrant parents or kids who come from backgrounds where success really is about, I could feed my family. I have a, a stable job and stuff like that. So I, I not recognizing that can be, that can be an issue on its own, but understanding that like kids, it's not just about what do we want our kids to do it, to me, it's more about how do I want them to feel? Mm-hmm. Like when I ask kids about their future, it's like, how do you want to feel when you're an adult? I'm just curious. Like that's a very different like conversation. I found that like when I ask kids how do they want to feel, it's always kind of like an eye opener for them. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had a kid be like immediately answer it. It's more just like I don't know, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, so you could have this great job, right? You can you can you can do these great things, but like, do you want to be happy? Do you want to feel fulfilled? Do you want to feel connected to people? Do you want to feel purposeful? Do you want to feel grounded? Do you want to feel content, right? Like, how do you want to feel? And that starts to translate to how how do you want to feel now, 
right? Like, how do you want to feel now? And then you ask, okay, if you want to feel this way, what are you doing in your life to help you feel this way? Mm-hmm. Right? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And suddenly it's just so much more about their internal world. It's so much, school is designed to create workers, you know, and it's not designed to grow. And if you're lucky and you have a teacher that pushes that, which there are so many teachers who push capacity and growing and and learning, which I'm really grateful for, um, you're not going to know. You're not going to know otherwise. That's why you have these kids who have great grades and who struggle, who are super sad and super anxious and super stressed out all the time because they're doing the right thing and not feeling better because they're being mean to themselves. Because often to get those good grades, they sacrifice their mental health. They sacrifice how they talk to themselves. They sacrifice their own well-being in order to do what is expected of them. Mm-hmm. And, and I just can't, I don't want to live in a world that does that to kids anymore. I just don't. And I'm not going to leave this world so I'm, until it's my time. So I'm going to fight for this. You know, there, there is no other option for me. I can't sit and watch kids not be respected this way. And, and that, that leads so deeply to my why I've been saying so much recently that I felt disconnected to my why. And this conversation has been such a great, just ground grounding place for me to remember. This is why I do it. I'm so happy I recorded it too, because I'm going to listen to it a bunch. <laughs> me too. This is the power. I mean, and if you're listening to this, I'm grateful for you being here. You did not see in the beginning how vulnerably Donovan showed up and said, I'm not sure that I can do this today. And we had an incredible conversation and it led to connection. This is the thing is vulnerability allows you to connect to people. Mm -hmm. And we, a lot of times look at the people in our lives right now and think, but no one is hearing me, supporting me, connecting. But the thing is, is that sometimes the people that we're meant to connect with are they're not here yet. They're waiting Mm -hmm. for us to keep showing up and doing Mm -hmm. the things. And so it led to this connection, which I'm beyond, beyond grateful for. Honestly, this has been so, so good. And I have, I could go on for hours, but I know I also want to respect your time. I want to, I do want to touch on the fact that like I did watch the Today Show interview, which Mm -hmm. I was like, and I actually had a moment, let me be vulnerable for a second, where I was like, oh my God, can I actually do this interview? Like, is this, like, I felt this pressure. (laughs) Just be real. I did. First, I felt the pressure because I was like, okay, make sure you can ask the questions and you can do whatever. And then I went like, no, we're going to trust. It's all good. Mm -hmm. Second, when I heard, and that's not the first time I've heard it. I've heard it lots of times regarding you, like 21st century Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. To be completely honest, mm-hmm. my first reaction was like, holy, that's a lot of pressure. Oh, like, yeah. Not like, oh my God, that's it. I, I'm, not, I'm not putting it down, but I went, that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, some of the only kind of angry comments I've gotten have been towards that. And I think mm-hmm. um, one thing I don't understand with just like when people get older is, is fighting new, you know, or it's like, yeah, that worked for you. But the conversation around Mr. Rogers and, and, and Hoda, who I have so much respect oh. for, like saying that was a huge thing because three years ago, I sat on my couch with my brothers and my brother's partner. Um, and we talked about that. And I said, this is what I want to do. And I want to make a social media presence. But it came from this fact that there were not that many people who were doing that. And Mr. Rogers was on TV right? But you think about social media, think about how many people are talking to kids and and they're not actually talking to kids. How many people, kids are watching, 
is the difference, right? And there's so many people talking about this. And I said, I want to be this type of public figure like Mr. Rogers, because he wasn't just, you know, like a really nice guy. He was an advocate. He advocated for youth. He advocated for black people. He advocated for people and humanity. And and I was like, that's what I want to do. But it's so interesting because I wasn't deterred by that title or, you know, someone saying Mr. Rogers, I wasn't deterred by it. Like, Oh, I, I can't live up to that. It was more just like, you have to live up to that. Now, this is how, this is what people expect of you. And if you're not, you know, gaining this amount of followers and you're not doing this and you're not getting more interviews and you're failing and stuff like that, but it was just so much pressure that I was, I external, I internalized it. It was external. Like this guy is amazing. I mean, I didn't tell you this earlier, but this lady sent me a message and, you know, people send random messages. People oh, say, God, yeah. people say wild stuff in messages. Mm-hmm. And I've been really lucky to not receive a lot of hate, but I've received a lot of this lady told me she was losing faith in Christianity until she saw me as the second coming of Jesus. And I was like, ma'am, I need you <laughs> to just chill. Like, please chill, please, please chill. Right. Please chill. But to me, it's not about, I want to be Mr. Rogers. It's really about, I want to be, I want to lift the work up because there are so many teachers and parents and youth development workers and advocates who are doing similar things to me or to, uh, as me in the world, but are not being lifted up because we live in this very much like individualistic Like look at this one person. So they're not looking at me and saying, well, some people are not looking at me and saying, well, it's the work they're saying. It's this guy, it's this guy. And that's what starts to turn it into like, what if I'm not that guy and I can't do that and blah, blah, blah. And it's the work, it's not me. And that's when that whole cycle starts and I get scared and I pull away, but it was a huge, it was a huge honor, but it was a lot of weight. It was a lot of weight. And, And I turned it into weight. You know, it's external weight. It is, but I, I turned it into weight. Mm-hmm. I absolutely did. And, and every time I would post something and lose followers or every time, you know, like this lady messaged me and asked why I didn't have more followers, which I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just for a second, it actually means nothing. The yeah. Like nothing. No. It's wild. It's wild, but it, it was just affecting because it was just the more that I was getting that, the more that it was like, why aren't you doing better? Why aren't you stepping up? Like you should be better or you should have more. And I don't think that's what that lady meant, you know, I don't, but just not understanding how people internalize the messages that were given to them. Like, this is a great example of what it's like to be a kid. You know, like we say these things to them, that like you have so much potential, right? <laughs> Why aren't you living up to your potential? Like, what is that? And then they take it and they turn and they say, you're not good enough. That's what that means is that you're not good enough. It doesn't matter that I've been talking about this work for 12 years. It doesn't matter that I've literally had been like drunk in the back of an Uber car talking to everyone about, I'm going to help kids grow. You know, like it doesn't matter that I've been doing this for years. In the past six months, this is the most I've ever questioned my work because I'm internalizing all this like positive feedback I'm getting and I'm using it against myself. So I wanted to say this earlier and I know we've been talking for like almost an hour, but I think this is like a a kind of interesting thing to share. I really look at my life like the unlikely hero um, because I struggled so much as a young person and I, you know, I almost took my life and, and I, I kind of 
it felt like fell into this work. And there were days where I just felt like I was being dragged along. Like it was like, you have to do this. This is your journey. You know, the Katniss, the Harry Potter, you know what I mean? Like the, I don't want to do this. Like poor Harry, every year he went to school. You have no idea how much of a Harry Potter fan I am. Yeah, you know, you know, what? Harry and Katniss are too much. Cause that's how I felt where it was like, everyone's telling me that I'm the person to do this. Right. And in that weight, I felt so much different from this new story structure, which is I am the hero of my story. I'm choosing to be this hero. So instead of being forced out of bed and being dragged along, I'm waking up and I'm putting my backpack on with all my tools and I'm going out into the world. And yeah, that's a lot scarier in ways. And it's, it's harder and you're going to get, I'm going to get beat up and you know what I mean? I'm going to have to grow a lot, but it just, it, it reminds me that I'm in control. And if I said today that I wanted to step away from this, I can, mm-hmm. I can, and I have to remember that I'm not going to, because this is my work, but just knowing that I'm choosing this versus this has to be me, right. is a completely different shift. And, and, and what I want kids to do is to be their own hero, to be the hero of their journey, to not feel this pressure, whether it's from external or internal, right. But to say, I choose to be me. I choose to show up in myself today and honor whatever that looks like. And also, if you're taking advice for what to be doing during all this from celebrities who are who are making millions of dollars a year, you know what I mean? Like that's be kinder to yourself because it's just not where you're at. Listen to listen to your voice, listen to your story and, and recognize how you view your story affects how you show up in the world. And so I, I wanted to, to thank you specifically because. I was only able to show up vulnerable and open because of how you held that space for me. And I really am so grateful that you did that because this was so helpful to me. This was so, so like you, Mr. Donovan to me and I needed that. So thank you so much. <laughs> I needed someone to sit with me and just be like, you know, cause what you, what you all are hearing on this podcast is very, it feels very grounded in what I'm, what I'm talking about. But before it was really hard. It was, I was scared. I was really struggling to say, I'm feeling vulnerable and here's where I'm at. When you trust and you're in the space with the right people, right? That, that vulnerability is a gift because an hour later, an hour, two hours later, I'm leaving just feeling like I can breathe. And, you know, I don't want to work for the rest of the day. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe awesome. I'll take a little bit of a rest. <laughs> I... Thank you. And I'm receiving that because that is really, it means a lot to me because um, so many people have held vulnerable space for me. And that is something that I choose to do for others. Also, because I do know the power of vulnerability. And every time I get scared, I'm going to say every time I get scared to share something, I literally stop in the moment. And it's like, who is in my life now? Because I chose to be vulnerable. And it's like, would they be here? Would they be here if I didn't? And yeah. the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what fuels me. Not the person who sends me the message that says, I can't believe you shared that and you should not Mm -hmm. be doing that. But the people that I look around now, and that means the world to me. And I, I said, yesterday I sat there, I had a real moment of just this immense gratitude as I was watching clients who are mm-hmm. now publishing stories, starting podcasts, who are going live and they're so scared and they're doing it anyways. And I just sat there in this moment of so grateful, like so grateful that this is because this is the change that we will can all be a part of by doing this and by going first and being in that space. So 
I'm going to receive that. I'm definitely am. And I want to ask you because I did a live this morning that I got super fired up about. And I saw you <laughs> jump on, which is awesome. <laughs> super fired up. And I was talking all about being in versus on your story. Yeah. And I want to know how that message hit you then and how you're seeing it now and what that means to you. I think that there's always this story I feel like I should be in. And I think in a lot of ways that doesn't honor the story that I actually am. And I think that the good comes from the real good comes for me, at least comes from the story that I am not honoring in a lot of ways. And it's not been something in my life that I haven't done. It's just been these past couple of months. And, and I, and I think I really want to honor this time of uncertainty and, and self-doubt and fear because it's going to push me to the next level and, and trying to build my social media presence and trying to stay relevant in those things. Like that's an outside story that isn't really serving me. And I, and I'm understanding now that some of this disconnect that I was feeling was not my disconnect from the work, but my disconnect from the, the true story that I'm living. And the true story is things are scary and things are rough right now. And I am being pulled back and forth, but I am growing and I'm building my capacity to take on this vision that has been my life for so long that I choose to show up in. And so hearing you talk about that earlier, it kind of opened the floodgates for me a little bit because I've been telling myself that I need to be living this other story. And that this story that I'm living of being sad and being scared and not wanting to talk to people and, you know, having to spend tons of time by myself like that that's valid and that that is actually the story to be living when we choose to live in our authentic stories versus the stories we feel like we're supposed to be living in it it, it just makes me feel closer to myself I'm like physically holding myself more as like a comforting way through this conversation because it's like I'm able to see all aspects of it mm-hmm. and the other story it just doesn't serve me it's not serving me it's, it's not, not serving me it's not. And, and I think that the shame is not the shame that I was feeling earlier is not because I'm sad and feeling ungrateful or, you know, doing all that. It's not from my authentic story. The shame came from trying to live a fake story. And that's not me. I've never been that way. And, I, and I'm not going to do that. That's never, it's never been my style. If I choose to step away, take some time for myself, that's my story. That's what I'm going to do. And I, and I just feel grateful to have had you share that today because it opened something up subconsciously and now it's consciously landing that that shame and disconnect is coming from because I'm trying to live this story that's not authentic to where I'm at and where it's not my story it's the story I'm telling myself I thank you so much for sharing that because I I do believe and I think I even said is that we have to look at it sometimes and go who is feeding the shame like who is actually mm-hmm. feeding the shame story it's us we're doing it mm-hmm. other people will have opinions and we all those things are going to happen but we are the ones that ultimately are doing it and yeah. so we are the ones that can create that change so i thank you so much for sharing that and for oh my gosh for everything that you shared today i do want to ask you what lesson in life are you most grateful for i just think i just think i'm grateful for being. I think that I haven't spent enough time just being. And, and I think recently this lesson has just landed with me a lot of like, it's okay to be, it's okay to just be. And, and that when you trust yourself, when I trust myself, things will fall into place the way that they need to, um, that I can keep growing and I can keep going 
but it has to be grounded in just being. I've spent so much time thinking of, you know, when I was younger, my depression was so much about my mistakes and these things that happened to me before. And then I found this work and it became about who am I supposed to be and what am I going to do? And now it's just like, just be, just be. And, and I feel really grateful to have learned that lesson because there's so many times in my life where I wish I would have known that it's okay to feel how I feel and to be where I'm at and, and, and to honor that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, that is, I love that. Absolutely love that answer. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything that you've done and please continue to pour back into yourself and everything that you do because you have a big mission that is part of who you are and why you're here. And that's not pressure. It's just, it's not at all. It's like you feed into you to take care of you Mm -hmm. so that you can do the work that you know that you're here to do. Like that's Mm -hmm. literally what it is because that work, a lot of people would look at that and think that that's hard, but you know, that fuels you, right? You know that that fuels you and that keeps you going. So take care of you so that you can do the work that you are meant to do because I sounds corny, but I would say someone somewhere is praying for the solutions you're holding onto. They're yeah. literally praying for them. And so you take care of you so that you can make the impact that you are here to make, because I have no doubt it's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And I'm beyond grateful for this conversation and time with you. Ooh, I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> you're so great. Oh, this is so nice. Oh, just what I needed. Wow. And who would have thought? You, because that's like your whole thing. If I didn't show up vulnerable. <laughs> Look what happened when you show up vulnerable and authentic. Ooh, I hope this is, I hope you're hearing that and receiving this well too, what you did today for me, seriously. And anyone listening, I, it, yeah, I'm just so beyond moved. This was a powerful, this was practice in the moment. And that's a really cool experience. This is life in the moment. This is being in the moment. And I, and I feel really, really grateful for it. So thank you so much. And for anyone who's stuck with us, thank you. I appreciate it. I know I'm all over the place, but I always circle back. No, so. I promise you, this is going to be far more powerful than <laughs> think and give yourself credit for. I really do. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.